There we go. We are back again for another fantastic episode of the Beautiful Mind Game podcast. Oh, my days, Millie. Where's the time gone? We've just had so many conversations, so many incredible, extraordinary people. And um, this is probably the last one that at the time of speaking, we're going to be recording. So we are going to have a little break. We are going to be getting our edits on. We are going to be looking at posting out uh, weekly content coming forward. But I think we did say before the before the podcast started, we may have just saved the best to last because this man who we've got today, Millie, is someone who is so off from what we've been talking about, from football coaches to athletes to self-development as well, but he's actually done it in such a way where he's made something where no one would really watch um, him on like a TV screen, but made social media his own in terms of the elements that has been posted on there as well. But first of all, Millie, how are you doing today? And are you looking forward to who we have um, as a as a special guest today? I'm fine, thank you, Hams. I mean, yeah, definitely after that introduction, I am more than excited to speak to our guest today. And you're right. I mean, we've been through so many people and we've had the opportunity to speak to so many people, brilliant people uh, from all different fields. And I think this one is another one that is a different field again, but is brilliant because we've not had someone like him on the podcast before ever. So it'll be great to learn something different, something new and something that everybody needs. Everybody needs to hear this because it can relate to each one of you. So I'm really, it's a great day and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for everyone listening, I am recording this in a car dealership at the moment because I was like, nah, we need to get this going. Whenever he's free, I'll be free and I'll make the time. So I made it free of my day off to get this recording up and running. And um, the guest that we have today before I carry on babbling on is Mohammed Tahir or as you may know him on his social media, as Motivate. So Mr. Motivate, the airport guy. Ridiculous talent that he's got, but I'll, I'll let him tell, it, tell us that for himself because I could go on for days about the amount of amazing things he's done. But uh, Mohammed, how are we doing today, sir? You okay? Absolutely fantastic, Hams. Uh, Millie, lovely to meet you guys both. I'm doing amazing. And uh, my day just got better after j- j- jumping on this call. We're flattered to have you and it's a real pleasure to be able to speak to you and learn from you today, Mohammed. So I'm really looking forward to what you have in store for us as well. Um, just to break it down a bit for our listeners as well. The reason we gave you such a gassed introduction was because both Millie and I know what you've actually done and how you've done it over the last couple of years, which has been fantastic. But if you can just break down a little introduction for our listeners about what is it you do, how you've done it and the challenges that you've had to do um, during the pandemic as well, because not everyone can kind of do what you kind of did in the engineering um, sector as well. So if you could just introduce yourself in that way, that would be fantastic. Mohammed. Sure. So um, I guess the way I like to introduce myself is actually through the eyes of the people watching. So everyone here who's been on holiday, who's, who's traveled, who's walked through a terminal building or just flown out of an airport ever, uh, may have just looked around uh, outside the window and thought, how does this place actually keep ticking? What is it behind the scenes that keeps such an environment active, right? There's a lot that goes on behind the airports that a lot of it, like simple questions, like how does my bag, last time I see it just disappears behind a curtain um, at the check-in desk. And next time I see it is actually in another country and hopefully, fingers crossed, it's arrived. Right. Mm -hmm. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes at an airport that a lot of people ask questions about. A lot of people don't even think about. But uh, I work as an engineer at Heathrow Airport, one of the busiest airports in the world. Um, And I was when I walked around there for the the first few months, I just looked around and I was gobsmacked by the amount that goes on behind the scenes at an airport. And I just decided to share it. I love educating people. I love teaching people things. Uh, And I decided, you know what, what better than actually to share the light 
on something that nobody usually sees, and that is the behind the scenes of the busiest airport in the UK. So I turn uh, little simple things, uh, simple questions that you may ask or simple things that I see while I'm walking around into 30, 40 second videos that I find quite interesting, just to little package up little bits of information, something that you may have never thought about, but actually gives you a bit of perspective on the airport environment and the engineering that keeps it all ticking along. That's absolutely fantastic. And what an introduction to the podcast that you've given us, Mohammed, which is fantastic to hear as well. I just wanted to know, there's so much I want to know, and Millie will have to kind of um, calm me down later because there's so many things I want to ask you, but she knows for a fact that for so many people out there who wanted to learn so many different things, the way that we've kind of seen it now, I think Millie agrees with me, and the fact we see it a lot more on social media, things mm. we never learned in school, uh, eyes that um, eyes are everywhere on social media now, now, which is fantastic as well. And Millie, I just wanted to ask you, just in regards to Mohammed just over here as well, how important do you think it is that Mohammed's actually done it from this perspective of actually using the social media as an educational tool for yourself, Millie? Definitely. I mean, I think it's very important. Um, like you said, the presence on social media now is massive. And I don't think anybody would know what happens if you don't if you weren't there, Mohammed. If you're not doing this, nobody knows what goes on. Mm. And honestly, even being into sport myself. I mean, playing football is completely different to being an engineer at an airport, but I have an interest in it. When I was watching your videos, they're so interesting and also they're so catchy and you can learn things from them as well. So I think that the fact that you're on social media, it's brilliant. Like the fact that you have such a big presence and you're willing to show this information, you're willing to teach people about it. I think it's incredible, honestly. I mean, I think that the initiative to do this is uh, there's not many people that I know doing it um I don't know about yourself but for me you're the first one I've seen that's educating people on not only engineering but engineering at an airport something what everybody uses because the best yeah. way that he did it so to interrupt there as well Mo, it's just the fact that he's made something very very complicated and very very complex for the everyday kind of person like you and I Millie who wouldn't understand the first thing about engineering and has simplified that and I've heard, I've heard recently from a couple of people that I spoke to when I was out in the USA, a smart man isn't someone who sounds smart. A smart man is someone who makes something that, that is very smart and makes it very easy for everyone to understand. That's how a smart man is uh, relatable to the everyday person. And again, not, not bigging up Mo again, but that's kind of how I see you. And that's how I saw you straight away from when you were uh, talking about why there's so much yellow paint on the runway and stuff like that as well. And that's kind of a, a credit to yourself there, Mohammed. I would say. I appreciate that. And there's two points really that, that were brought, brought up in that in that sort of dialogue there. Um, the first one is, you know, why social media out of all the different places that I could have I could have been posting videos? Why did I choose social media? And that really was stemmed from a training program that I was doing while at Heathrow. And usually when you do a training program, it'll be like a three day long thing. But there are a few key things that you'll walk away from each training thing that you do. And it's, it might be one thing, but when you apply it, it could potentially change your direction. And the one thing that I took from this project management training program is the guy who was, who was organizing the course said that if you want to attract people's attention, rather than setting up a thing and inviting them to come to you, ask yourself, where do they spend their time chilling and put yourself there? So the example that he gave is that he wanted to build a school in his local area. Now, if you want to build a school, you're going to have to have thousands of signatures from parents 
in the local area to be able to get this school signed. So rather than him creating like a, a day where he invites everyone to his, to his event to get a signature, where do parents spend their time chilling? Well, Facebook. So he created a Facebook group, invited all the parents on Facebook, created a buzz on Facebook. And because the parents are there scrolling through Facebook and they, they just see this group and they're like, oh, a new school is going to be built. I'll be there. That's how he got into them. So when I was sort of stood back before I started any of this, I asked myself, okay, what do I want to do? I want to educate the younger generation about airports. Where do the younger generation spend their time chilling? I asked myself that simple question and only one response came back and that was social media. So I attacked social media with that in mind. I was like, well, these are my target audience. This is what I want to achieve. And then the next part of that is actually, well, turning complicated things into very simple things. Every single day I work, I mean, I'm, I'm only four years into to working at the airport. There are people that have been working there 40 years. I'm a baby compared to everyone else. But the one thing I tell everyone when they're explaining something to me, I'm like to them, explain it to me as if I'm four years old. <laughs> Don't add too much, like too much meat on the bones. Just give it to me simply, zoom out, like get into a helicopter and then tell me the context and then explain to me what's going on. And I like to do the same when I like to educate. I, I know that people who are going to be scrolling through TikTok First of all, you need to hook them on board. You need to like actually say something that they care about. They're going to make, make sure it's going to watch. They're going to watch till the end. And then just tell them the bare bits of information they need to know. And then leave it at that. Cut it short. Remove any of the, any of the fluff. Hand them over that one piece of nugget and be like, that's enough for today. See you tomorrow. I think you've just like summarized how people use social media as well and how it's actually benefited so many people to actually learn from you as well. Because again, it's not just how you start with social media, it's how you did your own little workshops as well, how you actually go into schools at the same time and actually ed educating people in person. But uh, Mohammed, I just wanted to kind of ask you in terms of how did it kind of come across? So you, you finished university, I imagine. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. had a couple of years to kind of think about where you wanted to go. How did you kind of get into engineering just so I can understand and the listeners can understand? And um, how did it kind of come across for you? So for me, um, growing up, there was one thing that I, I well, when I was like 16 years old, I, I always wanted to just be a lawyer because I was good at like responding, like cheek, giving cheeky responses to things. And I thought that's what law was all about. But it wasn't until I, I got a week work experience at a law firm and I was like, I definitely don't want to be a lawyer. But what I knew was that when my mom brings home an Ikea cabinet, and someone needs to build it. I'm the one on my hands and knees trying to build it. I was always curious about looking up at things and thinking, how does, how does that work? I'm curious. I want to know how. I want to know why. Um, and I wanted to just understand what makes things work the way that they do. And the one question that always baffled me is how does a plane defy gravity? Like that's the one itch that I just needed to scratch. So um, I've always been interested in like, the aviation space. But one thing that really took me over the edge with that was uh, my brother-in-law set up a day uh, where I actually got to go on a tour facility of a company up in Cambridge called Marshall Aerospace. And now that one facility has the ability to design, build and fly an aircraft from one facility. So they have design offices, the manufacturing facility and then the runway with a control tower. And the CEO took me on a day tour of that whole place. And my eyes were about to fall out of my head because <laughs> I was just so inspired by like this industry. And I walked out of that day saying, I want to be a part of the aviation industry. Um, I've done an aerospace engineering degree at university. I finished that. Um, I applied for a graduate scheme. I would recommend anybody who's gone to uni to apply to a graduate scheme. 
uh, because graduate schemes take you usually on a little bit of a tour of all the different things that you could be doing and then give you the freedom to choose. So I literally applied for the Heathrow Engineering Graduate Program and I haven't looked back since. I've, uh, yeah, I haven't looked back since. It's really nice to hear. And it's, it's really positive to hear as well the fact that it can just take one day in your life to inspire you for the rest of your life as well. Just in terms can of I, Can I add on to that as well? Yeah, of course. Like, go for it. So now that I'm here where I am, my, I feel like it's my duty not right in my home, but like at Heathrow. No, but do you, do you feel at home when you're working at Heathrow? That's kind yeah, of what yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like literally, I feel like Heathrow is my home. When, I'm, when I take my mum on like to fly or something and she's walking into the town and I'm like, so welcome home. <laughs> this is my home. <laughs> home away from home. Up. Yeah. Um, honestly, bro, now that I'm here, now that I am where I am, I feel like it's my duty and my responsibility to give back in that specific way of bringing people to the airport for a day or a week creating those work experience opportunities. So last month I took, took six engineering students on a day tour of the entire airport. Um, later on in the year, I'm organizing a week long work experience for some, some students so they can experience engineering. I know that it took that one day to change my life. And now that I'm here, I wanna try and do that for the other generation. Now the, the challenge with that is it's quite difficult to get students into an airport. But what I can do is I can take the airport to all the students. And that's what I do on social media. So social media is how I bring the airport to people if I can't bring people to the airport. That's absolutely brilliant. Because I know Millie, um, when Millie goes to the airport as well, when I go to the airport, it's one of those things that we're just kind of there like, oh yeah, we just want to be out of here as soon as possible. But for literally someone like you, who's like you said, kind of like your second home there as well. And you want to see people there for the whole day, trying to learn more about it and absorb things like a sponge as well. How, how powerful did it kind of not kind of make you, but how powerful was it when you got those first kind of initial responses back on social media, like, wow, this is great, or I didn't know this kind of worked. What did that kind of do for you and your kind of self-esteem in that way, Mohammed? Honestly, I, I wasn't, I wasn't expect, well, actually, you know what? It's not that I wasn't expecting it. It's that I didn't realize it would have the impact that it would have. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm sharing cool stuff on social media, but when someone tells you that, actually now I've come to a point where I've decided this is what I want to do for the rest of my life because I'm genuinely inspired by the stuff that you're showing and I don't want anything else you think damn like wow that's that's powerful and the, the next step to that is I got a message about six months ago by a kid who told me you know I've just I've just finished school I really don't want to go to uni but I've heard you talking about apprenticeships and I'm specifically the engineering apprenticeship at Heathrow Airport could you give me some advice? I'd love to apply because it sounds like it's exactly what I want to do. And the final thing on the message was like, by the way, this page is the only reason I have Instagram on my phone. I don't, I don't look at anything except for this page because it tells me what I want to do for my future. So I helped this, this young guy out to try and apply, work him through the application process. Two months ago, he got the call. He got the job. That's a four-year apprenticeship program where they're going to set him up, pay for his education, give him all the experience that he needs to become an actual engineer. Now that's actually someone's life who has been, that's been transformed because of a page on Instagram. Like I find this so like heartwarming and amazing that we live in an age where just by putting videos up online, you can completely transform someone's life. It's really heartwarming. I think that's quite powerful as well, isn't it, Mohammed, to have that impact. Like it's a, it's a, it's a really like humbling thing as well. The, the fact that you can educate people. I was wondering, was you always wanting to be an educator? I mean, 
you got the job at the airport and then you started to post on social media and then you saw the reach that it had. But before all that, was you wanting to teach people? Did you always want to help people? There was, there was a, <clears throat> if I look back at sort of my, 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 while growing up, while I was in college, there was like a, I think there was a tipping point in my life, which really inspired me to, to actually take on, take on this as a, something serious that I could do. Um, so I, I, when I was in college, I went to uh, just, a, just a college around the road here called St. Dom's. Um, and while I was there, there was like a medical society. There was like a, there was a finance society. There was an art society. The only one society there wasn't was an engineering society. And I was pissed. I'm like, why, is there, why isn't there an engineering society? So I, I literally remember walking up to the head teacher's office, or like the principal's office, knocking on the door. Um, and then only to be told you need to book an appointment you can't just knock on his door so I booked an appointment went back the next day and I was like to him I really want to set up an engineering society and he was like go for it whatever resource you need go for it so literally within a few months I had turned around and actually developed an engineering society and the concept was I literally was just teach the year below so I was in A2 and, and they were in AS I would just teach them about engineering concepts they'll find in the world around them and then we'll do like an experiment to bring it to life and it was just simple stuff it was simple stuff like the shape of like an eggshell and how actually that's a structure in maths that you can actually find that in maths and it that's the shape that an eggshell is it looks like that and that makes it strong also you'll find that bridges use that shape as well and you'll find that all around you you'll find that shape in everything because it makes it nice and strong um, and it's just simple stuff like that. And then the one thing that really changed it for me was once during one of those weeks that I was doing my engineering society, the head teacher who I had approached to set this up walked into the back of the room without me realizing and sat down and he listened to about half an hour of it. And that week we had Ofsted um, come around to, to do um, the checks that they usually do. And after I left that, meet, that, that day, that session that I ran, he came up to me while I was leaving the school and he said, Mohammed, you're such a natural educator that if Ofsted had walked into that room, I would have told them that you're just one of the staff and that you're teaching a lesson. And I remember hearing that and I thought, what? Like, really? Me? But I'm like super shy and insecure. But it's that moment where I'm teaching someone that I'm in my flow state. Because what I do is what Hams mentioned earlier is I love to take a complicated thing and break it down into simple, simple bite-sized chunks. And I have my own personal philosophies of how I like to do that. Um, but it's, it's just, I find it's like, a, it's like an art form where I take something really complicated, I zoom out, and then I can teach it to a five-year-old to the point where they get it and they can regurgitate back to me actually what I've taught them and they can go on to teach someone else. So it was that, that was a turning point in my life that I thought, actually, you know what? I like this. <laughs> no, honestly, it's just one of those things that, I can kind of relate to, but not, nothing as complicated as engineering. Like for me, how I, because I, I coach kids as well in, in football, as, as people will know who are listening. And I'm just kind of there, like not trying to be the next Pep Guardiola, but literally just trying to teach them how to pass the foot with one side of the foot compared to the other one. And it's just one of those things where I can relate in terms of breaking something that sounds very complicated to someone else. But for you and I, and for Millie, who would know a lot about football as well, it would just be something like, oh, yeah, you know how to do it just like that. But for that kid, just like in with the engineering as well it's something brand new to them something alien to them as well but you're giving them that comfort and that reassurance that everything is going to be okay when you're actually developing your skills with me in terms of we can make this better for you you can learn this way of 
um, educating yourself from myself as well. And the best thing about it is you're actually asking for a reflection back for you in terms of how they understood it from your um, from your words, from how you've done it as well. And um, Millie, I just wanted to kind of ask you just to kind of talk to me about how when when you were learning, when you were going through university as well, just kind of like with Mohammed, um, you can relate there as well, Millie. What were the best kind of qualities that someone like a lecturer would have that you can kind of hear from or see from what Mohammed's kind of said um, today as well, Millie? I mean, I think it's it's definitely been consistent throughout our conversation so far, taking those complex things and making it smaller and more basic. I think someone that can do that and articulate it properly is a very good leader, but also someone who can relate to everyone. So if you've got a group of people in front of you and there's so many different people, I learn in a different way compared to the person next to me. Um, and I think that someone who can kind of captivate the full audience which I think Mohammed does really well is someone who is a great leader um and yeah I mean someone who's who knows how to be there and knows how to educate others I think it's it's a very good skill to have I mean I mean I wish I could do that and Mohammed you said you were quite a shy person growing up is that correct yeah very much so so how can you be like so shy, but then all of a sudden when you're on stage, I know you've done a lot of talks, we'll come on to them in a bit, but the fact that you have stood in front of hundreds of people, I reckon, um, and you've spoken to so many different pe people, how does that kind of weigh up? There was a tipping point. It wasn't, it was, it, yes, I was a very shy kid growing up, um, but there was a tipping point. There was a time where all that changed. Um just put some context and I love the fact that you two are both from a football background growing up I was uh I remember the story goes a bit like this it's like I remember stepping into the primary school and in primary school during the playground like when you're in the playground there's only two options yeah you're playing football so you either support Manchester United or Arsenal <laughs> it was like literally I remember coming up to someone like a like a really big kid who was a bit of a bully at the time he was like hey, Mohammed, do you support Manchester United or Arsenal at the time, I didn't care about football at all, but I was so intimidated that I just lied to him. I was like, uh, uh, Manchester United? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, and then I just, uh, yeah, I know. Who do you support there. for the record, Mohammed? I don't, I don't care about football enough to support that's anyone. <laughs> that's okay. But that's the thing. It took me so long to get to that point where I'm brave enough to say that. Because growing up in London, in the ends... Yeah, that's the first question you get asked when you're in a group of lads. Where did you grow up in London? Or where are you from in London? I grew up in Wilsdon. So I grew up in Wilsdon. Now I live near Wembley. Ooh, that's close. That's yeah. close. You've got where some... You? Uh, Enfield, so North London. Okay. And Millie's got family in Wood Green, which is also North London as well. So not too far. Not too far at all. Not too far at all. But mm. you see, like, growing up, I was always, like, put into a position where you had to support football. You had to like football. You had to play football. Um, and what that made me do was I built like a wall around like who I truly was at heart, which was like a nerd who likes planes and stuff. And I actually just pretended that I like football. And I just remember going home and like literally like revising the players for Manchester United, just in case someone asked me to name 11 Manchester United players, I would actually like revise like, who, who they were. All I knew was Ronaldo back then, but that's, that didn't cut it. Um, and like I, that, what that made me do is that I completely retracted within myself and I started to present a version of myself that was not true. It was not a true reflection of who I was. 
Um, and I presented this, you know, guy who likes football and, you know, plays and, and, you know, talks about like celebrity gossip and this and that, but deep down, I just did not care. And then the friendship circles you develop because of this persona you're putting on, you don't resonate with. And then next thing you know, you're just being fake all the time. And that, what that does is it makes you shy and it makes, you're not being yourself anymore. Right. So you just become different. You just, you're not willing to be vulnerable. You're not willing to lower your guard and actually say, I don't actually like football. Like I still remember the first time I got asked that question of who do you support? And I was brave enough to say, I don't like football. That was like a revolutionary moment for me because my whole life I had been lying to myself saying I support this team or that team. But deep down, I didn't care. But the moment I was actually brave enough to say, I don't care was after the tipping point that I mentioned, which was when I started to learn about personal development. It's when I started to learn about the, the power of a mindset I started to learn about a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. I started to learn about the ego. I started to learn about how to diminish your ego. I started to learn about the fact that the way that you think will determine the, the quality of life that you live. And I started to apply all these lessons to build good habits and to remove bad habits. And I started to really analyze myself from a, from a point of how can I make myself better? And that's when there was no there was no time to be fake in that situation. I could only really bring my true self to the table. And that's when I started to be myself. So the version that you see online was not always the Muhammad that I've had to live with. That was that was the Muhammad after the fact. That was the Muhammad after I I took it on myself to change and to become different and to become better. That's brilliant, honestly. How old were you when all this happened? How old were you when that tipping point happened? 20-ish, 20, 21. So I was in, really I was in my third then. year of uni. I was in my third year of uni um, when that happened. Uh, so I took a placement year. I went out for a year. And then that was in that time. That's when I started to read books and I started to... Yeah. Was there a specific point when that happened? So, for example, for me, I was around 22 and mm. mine started with one book. Mm. Mine started with one book and that's how it all started. So was there a, can you remember a specific point? There was, uh, I, I'm curious, what book was it, Millie? It was Becoming Supernatural. Mm. I haven't heard that one. Jody Spencer. That's been added to the list. Well, add it in the it's description below as well. So, so if anyone is listening, Millie can pop that in the description below as well. Nice. Absolutely. Um, there was a tipping point. And I'll tell you what I used to play. I, so during that year when I worked, when I was on placement, um, I joined the American football team. Um, and when I was playing American football, there was this one character in the American football team who would act a complete fool, but just did not care what anyone thought about him. He was just being 100% authentic and being himself. And up until that point, I didn't realize that actually you can be yourself and still be completely accepted and respected not accepted but respected and and seen as like one of the one of the main players like key player in your social circle even though you're acting a fool and you're just say doing what's in your heart and I remember speaking to, to this to this guy and I was like he was explaining to me his outlook on life and his outlook on himself and the way he thinks about the world and I was like to him bro like like where, where did you learn to think like this like I had never been introduced to a thought process like that. And it was like, oh, you know, bro, there's this one book that you can read. Um, it was a very like spiritual uh, book. It's, it's mind, body and spirit. It's called the Yusa Guide to Balance. It's a book that's built upon Buddhist principles. Now, 
coming from a Muslim household, it was all new to me, those principles. Uh, but after, after some time, I realized actually they're all way deeply connected and they all basically say the same thing, but just said in different ways. Uh, but I just read one book about, about the mind, about the power of the mind, about the power of thinking. And that one book just took me on this huge journey where I just started to read another book and another book and another book. And I started to watch all these YouTube videos. And I just, I, every day I'd wake up and I'd have the biggest smile on my face because I was just learning so much about the world. And that was, that was a real revolution for me. What was the name of the book again? The USA Guide to Balance. I actually, I have it. Oh, where is it? It was here. I think it's over there. It's over there in my bookshelf. I mean, usually I keep all these books under my hat. Oh, here it is. One sec. Oh, introduction I've... to the podcast. This will be good. Yeah. I've never that? heard of this book. Yeah, me neither until I read it. So it's like, it's a very spiritual sort of book. Um, and you know what's funny? It's like, it's three parts. It's the mind, body, and soul. I only ever read the mind bit. <laughs> I've never even read body and soul, like body and spirit. I've only ever read the mind part of that book. And like, I went on such a mad tangent after reading that mind section. I haven't even got back to read the body and spirit. I will do it at some point, but I guess that's a chapter. That's another chapter in my life where I get ripped. And then the next one is where I become bear zen. <laughs> oh, that would be crazy. Do you still play sports now as well, Mohammed? Um, I, you know what, I, I take part in sports as like a challenge for myself. Mm. So I sign up for triathlons when I'm way not ready and then I get ready and then I do them. Yeah. So I've got, I've got the London triathlon coming up, um, in about two months, two, three months. So I've done, I've done a couple of triathlons in the past as well, but for me, it's literally like, you know what? I need to work towards something. I can't just become a, a, a slump, like, you know, a slob. So I'll sign up. Yeah, that's the word. I'll sign up to uh to a to a triathlon or a challenge of some sort, and then I'll just train towards that. But one thing that I really want to get, that I'd love to learn from from your perspective is actually I want to do a I want to do a sport that's like like a team sport, like something that I'm not just running for the sake of running. Mm. I'm actually doing something that I enjoy and I get fit at the same time. That's one area that in my my life that I just haven't been able to nail quite yet. This is this is my kind of guy here, Mini. This is my kind of guy because uh, we've discussed previously on a different episode that um, for me, every summer, I always try a different sport. I've been doing it since uh, since whenever I've been able to drive, really. So having mm. that opportunity. So last year I did basketball for the for the first time properly in a team and I enjoyed it. I had, I had a really lovely time uh, linking up with different people, learning it from a different team aspect. The tactics from it is fantastic to see. This year I'm doing... I'm doing personal training. So this is more on the opposite side of actually playing team sports. I'll still play football like I would normally do. Uh, go to cricket training every now and then, which would be good fun as well. But I will be doing personal training because I'm like, you know what? This will be the first time that now it's all on me. I don't have teammates mm-hmm. to rely upon. I don't have other people to rely upon besides my personal trainer. And it's all down to me as well. So really looking forward to seeing how that will kind of go. But honestly, Mohammed, the fact that you can try different sports and team sports, you could do so much in the summer as well. And it's even the fact that even the smaller kind of sports as well, like hockey or um, just even some of the ones that we'll see at the Commonwealth Games as well, they'll be really big this summer because of the Commonwealth Games as well. The clubs will be a lot more open to having new members and stuff like that. You won't have to become like a, a membership, um, a member for like 12 years around like you would at a golf course or something like that. It's really nice that you can actually kind of be involved in the teams and the team camaraderie team spirit and 
no one better really to talk to you about that than, than really with Millie, who's played abroad in different football teams as well, who's come back to the UK and works in different teams, not just in football, but in like personal training and her self-development. Wouldn't that be right, Millie? Yeah, 100%. Um, definitely a range of sports can teach you a lot. Um, I mean, you might think that, I don't know, rugby and football and it's all the same, but it, it's not really. I mean, it's not. You get different skills from each one. And definitely for me and myself being in a team environment, it helps me to relate to other people better. I've had to work with people who don't speak English at all. So we've had to communicate mm. a different kind of way. Mm. Um but it's been brilliant. I mean, the experiences you do have um, is brilliant. And yeah, you act as an individual athlete when you're on the pitch in your mind because you are yourself, but also you act as another 10 players beside you as well. So it gives you a lot of different skills and definitely a range of sports is, is brilliant to try. I mean, I'd love trying new sports. What sports do you try, Millie? I've never seen you try a new sport. Well, you know, <laughs> I have my I have my fair share. Okay. <laughs> I tried tennis. I tried tennis. That wasn't for me. Um, I like basketball. Yeah. I like anything that's kind of like similar to football, but not. You mean like an invasion game type thing? Yeah, yeah. Let's another. go with that. Yeah. I find it very difficult to compete on my own, which is very interesting. After mm-hmm. competing in a team for a long time, I find it very difficult to do something like tennis or like boxing. I like boxing alone, but. Yeah, form what is it? Right what is it you well, find so. is difficult? Like you say, you find it difficult. Is there a specific thing that springs to mind during that moment that makes it more difficult? I think it's just because I've not done it as much as I've played in a team. Like to play rugby or basketball, I love that. I love that, and for fun, I can play it. But as soon as it's something like tennis, maybe it's the racket. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but as soon as it's something like tennis or, like I said, some individual sport, I just, I'm. I take a little bit longer to kind of grasp it. Rowing, rowing would be good fun because you're literally it's literally you against the water as well. So that'd be that'd be quite fun. It's a fight or flight mode in that way when you're actually rowing on on water as well, Millie. So good times ahead if you were to try rowing. But no, even even with myself who's done boxing at a younger age, I'm actually boxing, which was good fun for me. I I enjoyed that ownership of being in control of who you are because you have no one else to really use as an excuse. You have everything you have within your own self to kind of be the best person you can be the best athlete you can be as well and I really enjoyed kind of doing that as well because that as Mo said that was kind of my tipping point in changing who I was at at the time from being someone who was just kind of going from like job to job to job to um, just trying to blame everyone else for other people's um, for, for my own misfortunes and then you know what everything is on you it is your ownership you have to take pride in what you want to do 24 hours in the day as well and I really enjoyed that kind of learning process of being in an individual sport because you had to then, I would have to then buy my own food. I then had to train by myself to be ready for my Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturday training sessions as well. I would revolve my week around doing boxing and it got me so good to be to being an amateur fighter, being 1-0 in white collar boxing. So I, I retired with a good record as well. Which, <laughs> That's which 100%. Good, 100%. No one's better than me in the amateur game. <laughs> I can assure you of that. Um, but no, it's just in, in the fact that we're, we're doing sports as well and we're playing sports as well. Some, of, some people will do it for a social thing, which is fantastic and it's really mm. good. And I still do that for football, which is fantastic. But others, you learn so much about yourself by trying to be 
just by trying to do something, trying to get, get your mind over the fact, oh, you know what? I never thought I could play basketball, but I can. Mm. I never thought I could fight, but I can. And it's great mm. in that in that respect as well. And one thing is kind of leading me to kind of asking you, Mohammed, is the fact that you actually did deliver a, a speech, a TED speech, wasn't that? A couple of weeks. TED Talk, uh, yeah. TED Talk, yeah. And I wanted to know a bit more about that because for a lot of people, public speaking is very difficult. It's very hard to really talk in public in front of like 10 people, let alone thousands of people, let alone on mm. the internet as well. Mm. I wanted to know your kind of thought process on how that kind of worked for you. Were you really comfortable to speak in that light? Was everything kind of like second nature for you? How did that kind of work for you, Mohammed? Whether it was second nature or not, um, I, I don't think it was second nature because of the the gravity of the fact that it's a TED talk. I think when you when you sort of it's all a mind game, right? You tell yourself it's a big deal, so therefore your body reacts as if it's a big deal. Um, but the topic that I that I actually tackled and the topic that I talked about was something that I really cared about, and it's actually something that we we are sort of t- dipping in and out of during this conversation. Um, but it took me a long time to actually sit down and talk about this because it was it was really difficult um, for me to to say it. It's like there's like a mental shift that I'm trying to cause in the world. And uh, the specific thing that I wanted to, to sort of talk about in my TED talk was the misunderstanding I feel that the world has about the word vulnerability and how while most people, when they think of something as a vulnerability, they'll see it as a weakness. Uh, something that can actually cause be a, be a potential cause of a failure or a potential cause of down, like somebody bringing you down. But in reality, um, our willingness to be vulnerable is actually our greatest superpower. Now, it may seem, it may seem. I think more and more as as times are changing, people are realizing that. But the way I came to that conclusion was very much about the story of bringing down that god that I had put up, that fake facade that I was showing to the world. The moment you start to bring that down and show the world who you truly are in your heart and soul, who you tr- what you truly care about and what you truly don't care about, and being able to answer a question of, you know, who, what team do you support? Assuming you like football, they just, they've just sort of taken that assumption as a fact and they're asking you a question like that. Where most people who aren't willing to be vulnerable will just put, like, just... Avoid the uncomfort that will might might I don't like that, but actually you know what taking it on the chin and just being like no that's that's not who I am this is who I am I'm presenting that wholeheartedly that may seem as something very courageous but deep down in your core it's actually a massive step into a vulnerability like a dark zone where you simply do not know the outcome of what could happen and and a lot of the time you may be mocked you may turn around and say I don't like this or actually I remember the first time I turned around to my friends in uni. After, after I came back from a placement year, after I had actually sort of discovered myself and I told them, you know, what? I, I've been writing poetry and I really enjoy writing poetry. And you know how it is. All the lads are like, ah, no, you know, writing poetry, you know, you... words that I cannot say on the podcast may have come out, you know, profanity <laughs> that comes out of their mouth. But, you know, that, that, that environment where actually like you have to just be willing to be like, you know what? I don't care about what you what you think of me. This is who I am. That deep down in your core is a moment where it could you can either break and you can either you can either crumble when someone takes the piss out of you and they try and the moment you show a bit of vulnerability, people got their weapons out and they're trying to attack. And how you react to that attack, if you counterattack or if you if you just let if you fold, will depend on the outcome. I've been in positions in my life where actually the moment somebody pushes against that, I fall over. 
and then you're just stuck in this rut where you just you're not you don't even know who you are anymore but actually if you just if you just stand in the face of it and be like yeah this is who i am so what i remember when i first started my instagram page one of the graduates um at, at heathrow airport it was like oh you you sharing stuff on instagram yeah i'm like yeah I think I had probably about like 400, 500 followers at this point. So I was tiny, still just, just starting out. And he was like to me, oh, let me see your page. And I remember my bio at the time was inspiring the younger generation into the world of aviation. And he was like, oh, mate, what? That's so cringe. Oh, I can't believe you did that. And I'm like, all right, well, that's just your opinion. I don't really care. And he was like, what? <laughs> like he didn't expect me to, to not care about his opinion. Mm. And actually he crumbled in that moment. But he yeah. tried to make me crumble. He just tried to put his insecurities on me. And it's that moment of vulnerability I'm really passionate about. Because it was something that um, you just said there as well. It's, we've talked about this many and I before in terms of other people's opinions normally are none of your business. Like you couldn't care less about what people want to say. But when they say it to your face and you're just shrugging it off like you just kind of did there, they then feel attacked by, oh, you have to value what I say. You don't have to value what someone says, if it's especially in a negative light as well. Like I've told Millie over the last two, three years, my friendship circle and my family circle, my family circles are the same, but like my friendship circle continues to change. It continues to develop and evolve. And we were kind of saying in terms of for, for Millie and I, who have been working together properly since around February, March time, we will talk together about things that I'd never thought I'd be talking to a professional footballer about like every day, which is great. And then you're kind of there like with friends who you thought you would be talking to because you've known them for longer and then you're just kind of there like oh yeah I forgot to mention this to you or, or I don't have to talk to you about certain things as well and don't need to get certain opinions because at the end of the day a lot of people who are new in your life they always want better for you than some people who have been there for 10-15 years because they're just like feeding off scraps they want you to slip up they want you to do mm. bad they want to laugh at you and be like oh yeah this is a guy who we were teasing about because he only knew Ronaldo and Rooney in Man United as opposed to oh, this guy's killing it on Instagram. He's doing really well with his job. His family must be so proud of him, but they won't highlight your, your successes. They'll highlight your failures. And it gets really annoying when people who you say they are your friends or they are your day ones or whoever, whatever they do kind of now, they, they, are, they are there looking for you to kind of slip up and be like, oh, I knew it wouldn't last. So I knew this wouldn't be the case as well. And unfortunately, this day and age is quite sad to see how people are kind of like that. But when you realize how much power you have in just saying no, or I don't accept what you have to say, just carry on, just move on. So I've said this before with Millie, like some of my friends got really um, annoyed with me starting a football podcast. They were like, oh, I know more about football than you. They got annoyed with me starting football coaching and football scouting. Oh, I know way more about you, mm -hmm. but I'm the one doing it. I'm the one who's going off to Miami and coaching uh, into Miami reserves. I'm the one who's going over to different parts of the country and putting the hard yards into make a name for myself as well. I'm the one who's kind of doing this working with people like me, working with people like yourself in terms of how else I could be better, not just as a coach, but as a person that I can take into my coaching as well. And people don't like that. People don't like seeing change from a version of, of yourself that they know or they want to basically. And I think Millie, you can kind of agree with that as well um, in terms of your own self-development, right, Millie? Definitely. I think the main thing what I had in my head just then was imposter syndrome. I think that it's very easy to slip into that as well. And that's a whole nother thing put on top of it. Um, but even for me, I felt that a lot. Um, the fact that I don't know, I'm, I'm in a position of professional football. Well, should I be in this position? There's many other girls that play football. Mm. Why am I in this position? But you've kind of got to remember your own skills and how well you've done to get there. And you're right. Just 
the hardest thing, especially even including my, for including myself, is to kind of shrug off the people that make those bad comments to you, basically. Kind of, yeah, to be comfortable with your vulnerability. And if someone is going to say a bad comment, the hardest thing is to say back to them, well, I don't care. That is the hardest thing to say. Um, so, yeah, I think both of you put it brilliantly there. For me, it's um, just common. I couldn't care less what people say. I'm, I'm in that zone when I'm like, it is what it is. I'll, I'll talk to anyone. I'll learn from anyone as well. And uh, unfortunately, people are kind of quite against me being on podcasts. They're like, oh, it doesn't look good for your CV. It doesn't look good for this. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I enjoy what I'm doing. You don't have to enjoy what I'm doing. Someone else will. And many other people do, which is great. And hopefully, Mohammed's enjoyed our conversation today as well, Mili. So hopefully, that's a, that's a nice little segue into... Um, our final kind of conversation as well, which is going to be mostly quick fire questions we have here, Mohammed, for you, because Millie tends to finish the podcast with some really good quick fire questions about uh, your mentality, your self-development. We've covered a lot of it today, mostly thanks to how articulate you put yourself, Mohammed, which is really good and really fantastic to hear um, as well. But Millie, I'll let you start with the quick fire questions if you can um, for Mohammed. Sure. Um, the first one I'll start with is... If there was one place in the world that you could do your next TED talk at, what place in the world would it be and why? Um, Iraq in, in Baghdad. That's the place of my heritage. Um, and I think if, if we're going to talk to a bang for your buck, I think young, young boys and girls who may be growing up there, seeing somebody who looks like them from the same culture as them, it will just break that glass ceiling that they may have in their mind about what they can achieve and what they can't achieve. Um, so just showing them that actually the sky is the limit and don't let any anyone like, yes, I've been lucky to be born in London, but that but we've still got the same ring. We've still got the same thing in our heads and actually make use of it and put yourselves in the right positions. I am so blessed to be in London because there's a lot of opportunities. However, there's just as many opportunities in the developing world over there where actually now it's very saturated here. Yes, there's a lot of opportunities, but at the same time it's saturated there. It's things that are just sprouting. So if you get yourself in the right place at the right time, you can also ride a massive wave over there. And I just want them to shift gear because I've when I when spending time there, you realize that actually a lot of them have kind of given up on their dreams because they feel like they can't make it. And they see these people on the internet who may seem so like doing so well but what i want them to realize is that they're all just human beings and we're all just the same thing uh, and if i can inspire that out of them i would love to brilliant that's really inspiring actually really great yeah. answer um do you ever go back over there yeah well, i was there just over the new year so i do go back often wow what's the food like over there <laughs> so good <laughs> are you do you eat meat uh not now okay <laughs> until well, around two years ago <laughs> fair enough. well if you if you enjoy chicken beef and stuff then there's a lot to enjoy but there's also a lot of vegetarian food that's, that's amazing the food food is extremely flavorsome there's just a lot of there's a lot of flavors um a lot of different stews and, and different things and just combinations that we make and amazing wow. <laughs> yeah arab food in general you can't be it I love Arab food and it's one of my favorite cuisines. I was in I was in the UAE for a little bit, so I tried everything. Probably Iraqi food as well. Nice. I can't remember specifically, but definitely it's I love it. I'm a hams does as well, right? Yeah, I, I'm I'm a game I'm game for any kind of Arab food, Persian food, um, 
most cuisines I quite like as well. There's not really a cuisine that I don't like. It's just the fact that when you can kind of cook it at home as well, it feels great. But when you actually get to go out and really enjoy it from a proper Arabian chef or Iraqi chef as well, it just it hits differently. And that's, that's the best thing. And that must feel so good having like a family who can cook that kind of dishes just on the spot yeah. like that as well. Cheat code, isn't it? Shout, shout out, Mumsy. <laughs> The cheat code right there as well which is really good fun it's like kind of like with my mom she's a cheat code for indian food so I'm like, i don't even tell indian food to cook i'm just there like nah i've got i've got to just have my mom's food and might be going back today which would be good fun to go see my parents and eat there as well nice. same fun. with my grandma my grandma is the best we need to do a food podcast later on Mohammed later in the year 100 different, different cuisines and all sorts millie what's your what's your heritage i am half gujarati and half english oh nice Nice. Yeah. I'm guessing it's the Gujarati grandma. It is indeed. Yeah, <laughs> it is indeed. A great sag paneer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love it. Nice. You might ever have like paneer on toast or <laughs> just mix the, mix the two. <laughs> paneer on anything for me. Literally anything. I don't mind. <laughs> no, brilliant. And my final quick bad question to you, Mohammed, is um, if you could talk to your 15-year-old self mm. once upon a time and say one thing, that you wish you knew at 15, what would it be and why? So something you already know now or something that you wish you would have known at 15 years old, what would it be and why? Bro, you don't understand how emotional that question just made me. 15-year-old me did not believe in myself at all. Zero self-confidence. Like, I, bro, yeah, it actually makes me very emotional thinking about this, but like, thinking 15 year old me could have never even dreamed not even dreamed of like the life that I'm living right now I I remember I I the other day I was walking out at just in Heathrow airport and I was looking at and like an Airbus A380 the biggest airplane ever made for commercial use just pulling into to, to, just to park up and I just stood there and I was just staring at it and I remember crying but I started crying like I was looking at it crying because I was just so grateful. Like I've never, I would have never dreamed to be in the position that I'm in, but all it took was some self-belief and some self-confidence and actually understand that there's more value in you than you believe there is. Like you can change the world. Like tell 15 year old me, like the world needs you. Like the world actually needs you. You don't just treat your life as if it's just this fleeting thing that, that you just get a nine to five. no, like go out there, make your dreams come true and dream bigger. Like whatever your dreams are, make them bigger and bigger and bigger. Like I wish I could sit down with 15 year old me and just tell them that, like put in the hard work, put in the graft. Like genuinely you can make this world a better place if you if you put your mind to it. Because the 15 year old me just had such little self-belief and such little self-confidence that just thinking back to what I was at 15 makes me emotional because I was just, a, I wasn't even the shadow of who I am today when I was 15 and like I've been able to completely transform my life and alhamdulillah like I'm blessed I'm blessed that God's been able to guide me on this path to be able to transform my life but the fact is is that life can be transformed like who you are is not set in concrete and it never will be you can always chip away at that and actually transform and sculpt who you are to whoever you choose to be I don't really know how to respond to that it's just it's it's made me emotional just thinking about it now because everyone's everyone's self 10 years ago 15 years ago when they're in their 20s they're also trying to figure things out but it's one of those things that 
like you said on this podcast to kind of summarize it Muhammad, it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to not know what things are and the most important thing is it's okay to be yourself even if it isn't what other people expect or want from you as well if anything like we talk about on the beautiful mind game it's never really about the occupation or the job that the person does it's always about the person behind it and if any episode has kind of epitomized the beautiful mind game podcast it would have been something like this Millie. i would say in terms of we actually get to listen to what's made you is what's made motivate on social media is such a big thing it's because you had these issues of self-belief as a as a person you were failing and you were failing not just at yourself but in other things as well and failure is a good thing failure is a way that you actually learn how to be better because some people go through life with minimal failure and they're just happy like you said they're just happy with a steady life but failure doesn't take you just like that it takes you like that and all the way up for anyone listening i'm doing a hand signals pointing all the way up as well because that's where it's going for Muhammad at this time of speaking and we can only wish you the best of uh, best of luck going forward and from what it seems you don't really need the luck because you've got all the passion in the world to inspire the next generation of engineers and even just beautiful people going forward as well which is fantastic to hear Muhammad so nicely done there and likewise both of you you're both so talented and and you know I can see that on this journey that you guys are that you guys have embarked on and you, it seems like it's only been recently since February since you've walked on, I mean, you must have made so much headwind already. You've interviewed so many people, but this this is the start of something amazing. And I just want to tell you guys both that the moment you choose to put yourself on the internet and you choose to to open up those doors, your life begins to transform and it begins to change. And and take it, you know, you will have people who are going to be like, "Oh, what are you doing? Why are you doing this?" And trust me, those people. The day you hit 10K, the day you hit 15K, the day you blow up here or one video goes viral, those same people are going to come up to you like, oh, I always believed in you. Like, you know, so just trust me. Like, just put a smile on your face. Thank them when, they, when they're when bitter and thank them when they're not bitter. It's fine. Don't judge. Like, just go with it. And honestly, the sky is the limit for both of you. Millie, Ham's like, keep doing amazing things. You will go so far. I think that's a really... Brilliant, Really good way of ending the podcast there. Um, really good way. We have nothing really to beat that, do we, Millie? Because No, brilliant. Thank you as well. Thank you so much. I mean, it means a lot. It really does mean a lot. Coming from someone like yourself as well. I, mean, I think, I think a- we needed to hear that as well because we, we speak a lot. We, we do things, but we're always trying to do our best. But having someone who's gone through a journey, not just on social media, but in terms of your own self-development as well, means so much coming from you, Mohammed. So we really appreciate having that conversation with you and even that little message at the end was was fantastic um as well and we are going to keep that in the episode because there could be someone out here listening who's like you know what i may have, i may have needed to hear that so that's what we're here for at the beautiful mind game podcast which is great um but no just to wrap up the podcast um as we are ending i just wanted to thank Mohammed once again for your time and your your wise words that you gave us which is fantastic as well Millie, i wanted to thank you for your time as always and your fantastic work that you put onto the podcast as well um, I just wanted to leave you guys with any closing messages you wanted to have to so Millie and then Mohammed, you can close off the podcast for us if you want. So. Yeah, I mean, I just want to thank you again for coming on, Mohammed. I think you've taught a lot of people a lot of things. And the most important thing is to be your true self, your very true self, whether you're vulnerable, whatever it is, just be whatever you are. And I think that's so important for not only our listeners, but for me and Hans as well to hear um yeah it's brilliant and thank you again yeah thank you and you know what i wanted to i wanted to add a metaphor to that i want to res i want to i want to echo that message again 
Millie, that you mentioned, but I always wanted to add a little metaphor to that. The day you begin to, to be yourself and not just be yourself internally, but tell the world who you are on the inside. The, the analogy that I like to use is the analogy of a lighthouse. Now, imagine building a lighthouse there on an island. You in each of us is an island and we can choose to start building a lighthouse and to, to rectify a lighthouse. And when, you, when you're on a lighthouse, you start to spread your message. You start to spread your light into the world. So for you both, maybe it's that we love personal development and we love football. Personal development and football. Personal development and football. And that light that spins continuously tells the world that you enjoy personal development and that you enjoy football. Now for the first few days, weeks, months, years, ships might just sail by and no one really cares. Until actually two, three, four years down the line, you'll look out into the harbor and you'll see thousands of ships that have gathered, but also like personal development and like football. And just like that, you've built a community of people that use you as a reference point every time they think about personal development and every time they think about football. And just like that, you've started to transform the world because those people might not be brave enough to speak up, but actually they'll look at you as a source of inspiration because your interests and your passions resonate with them on a deeper level. And you will start to get messages from people. You will start to interact with these people and you will start to change more and more lives every single day so just keep putting that consistent message out there and you will change lives first of which are your own and that has been the beautiful mind game podcast everyone thank you very much for listening take care and we'll see you next time